Welcome to episode 13. Today, we're speaking with Ann Clausen. Ann is the founder of The Podcast Babes, a female-owned and operated podcast management agency. And she podcasts every single day, either for The Podcast Babes or her own podcast, Digital Nomad Stories. Ann is also a digital nomad, running her business from Airbnbs and co-working spaces around the world. She is a consummate entrepreneur, and this episode is full of tips and insight that you won't find anywhere else. Thanks very much for coming on. It's a pleasure to have you, and thank you for having us on a couple of weeks ago. Um, it's really nice uh, for us all to be here again. Um, yeah, I mean, we I know, you know, we, we, we've seen a little bit about you online. Um, obviously, we know you through, through Francis, uh, but definitely for people that are all of our 25 subscribers, we'd love to know who Anne is um, and what your story has been so far. Yeah, well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. I'm I'm just so excited to be here today on the podcast. Um, my story is that in 2018, I um, finished my university degree, got all the degrees done, and I actually realized I don't want to sit in an office all day, um, which was my original plan. So I had a quarter-life crisis and as a true millennial, I sold all my stuff and started backpacking Southeast Asia. Um, so that's what I did for about two years. And then I started my own business because I didn't want to go home. Um, so I just told myself, what can go wrong? I mean, I don't really have anything, as in I don't have an apartment. I didn't even have um, a boyfriend or relationship. Um like, why not try it and see what happens? Um, well, a lot happened, but eventually I also made it work. Um, and that's now about five years ago that the whole journey started. And uh, I've had my business now for four years. So, yeah, still still going strong as in kind of nomading. A lot has changed in those years, though. Like the way that I travel now is definitely different than five years ago. But, um, yeah, still didn't have to go home um haven't spent a whole lot of time in the netherlands so yeah it kind of worked out eventually yeah what was your uh so what was your original major like what was your plan like what, what were you going to university for and planning on doing yeah i went to law school and business school um so i'm one of these crazy ambitious people who thinks that they can do everything at the same time um and um kind of did but that also meant that i when i finished my degrees i was so burnt out um so yeah i also kind of had to take a step back and not go straight into the office i actually had my um like grown-up job lined up um at um one of the large law firms in the netherlands and i had to call them and say change my mind <laughs> you can give the job to someone else please because i don't want it so that was super scary but uh, yeah. How did you feel when you put the phone down? Relieved. So relieved. Yeah. I mean, picking up the phone, I was like, oh my God, this is so scary. What are they going to think? But also the lady that I spoke to, the recruiter, she was super friendly and she was like, well, great that you found that out now. <laughs> you know, she was like, I, I don't think that that was the first time that happened. So she was like, I understand. Great that you found it out now and not when you already started here and all the best. And I was like, okay, cool. 
Yeah. And, uh, and oddly enough, now they're, you know, with the advancements in AI, it looks like some of those legal jobs are going to start kind of dwindling a little bit, you know, like the, the paralegal and support and everything else. So, I mean, besides it, from it being a great decision for your life and, and well-being anyway, uh, it, who knows where that career trajectory would have gone at that point. Yeah, true. I mean, I think still not. So I um, majored in corporate law. Um, so I would do all the mergers and acquisitions. I, I would work on the mergers and acquisitions department of that law firm. That was that was the plan. So I think there's always room for that, you know, like there still need to be negotiations. I don't think AI can do that yet, but um, I'm so happy with that decision. I also, I never, ever looked back at it as a bad decision or like, what if I just went there or, you know, like you know, I from the moment that I made that decision, it was like, yep, this is this is the right one. This is the right decision. This is this is a good path for me to just do something else. Kudos and well done because it's clearly um, the route you've gone down. Like you made a huge success, which is awesome. But what is the business that you went into post that decision? Yeah, it, it took some time to find that. Um, when I left, I had the plan in the back of my mind, like mm, maybe I'll start an online business. You know, like what these people on the internet are doing. Um, if they can do it, then maybe I can too. But I had no idea what exactly I could do because I had zero experience. Um, I just, you know, I studied, I worked as a bartender through university. That's That was my life. So I had no work experience whatsoever. Um, so it took me quite a lot of time actually to figure out what I wanted to do or what I, also what I could do. Um, and I... I remember that I, I was in Australia working on a strawberry farm. Um, I was a full-time strawberry picker at that point in my life. And um, after doing that for four months, I thought, okay, this was an interesting experience, but that was also enough strawberries for a lifetime. So um, I think something needs to change. And I had a lot of time to think about life and about what I could do next because it was just me and a few of strawberries. Um, so um, I read blog posts, you know, I was really researching what do other people do and what is kind of an an easy way in because I also didn't really have the funds to invest heavily into a new business or anything. Like it was, it was literally just me and my brain and my computer had to do it. That was it. Um, so I thought, okay, I'll just do some kind of freelancing. And then I, I found a course about becoming a virtual assistant. And I thought, okay, this, this is interesting because being a virtual assistant, I could see myself do that. And I think I can learn a lot from the people that I could be working with. And we'll see where that goes, right? I, I didn't really see myself being a virtual assistant forever, but I thought, I think this is a good entry point where I can just learn a lot, um, get my foot in the door and also kind of make money online quickly so that I could keep traveling and not have to go home. Um, so yeah, I took that course and one module in that course was actually podcast management. Um, and when I saw that module, I was like, whoa, there's this whole industry behind the podcast that I listened to. And before that, I had no idea. Um, so I was intrigued from the moment that I saw that and I 
learned everything about podcast management and I thought, okay, well, this is really cool. And at the time in 2019, when I started all that, um, everyone was a social media manager. At least that's what it felt like, right? Like everyone was a social media manager. So I thought, okay, I'll do social media management and podcast management. So that's how I started. And very quickly, it became clear that I'm not good at social media management. It's just not my thing. It does not come natural to me at all. Uh, But podcast management actually went really well. So after, I think, two months, I had, I think, one or two social media management clients. And I was like, okay, this I need to get rid of the social media, media management part and just focus on podcast management. So yeah, that's that's kind of how I found podcasting as my next career move and my business. And um, yeah, that's kind of how it started. Awesome. And and just for uh, readers, just for listeners, is this the podcast babes? Um, kind of like it wasn't called the podcast babes back then. It was also just me. Um, I had horrible, horrible branding that I just created in Canva myself and I am not good at graphic design at all so it's really cringy when I think back or see social media posts from that time um, but eventually that became the podcast babe so when I started it was like I said just me I just did everything for clients um, but after a while I started to build a team slowly and um, yeah work together with other service providers who could do certain things better than I could, especially like copywriting and creating all the social media promotion, promotional elements of podcasts. Um, that was, like I said, never really my forte. So uh, I definitely had to collaborate with someone else who was way better at that. Um, yeah, so that became the Podcast Babes. I think we changed the name um, in 2020, I think. After about a year of being in business, I changed it to the podcast babes. No, it's funny. It reminds me like that you're you're kind of getting started and set up as like kind of like the traditional story, you know, where we kind of all get out there, try to figure out what we can do online because we realize we don't want to go back. I also left a corporate job a little bit a little bit later in life, of course. And then we kind of go through those phases where we're like, all right, I'm gonna start searching for things. I'm gonna start putting my my name out there and different like I, I used Fiverr and Upwork, and I did all the things you're supposed to do and, and checked out posts and everything else. Same thing with me. I'm like, ah, maybe I can write Facebook ads. Can't. Uh, maybe I can design things. I can't do that. So I think there's a lot to be learned uh, in when you figure out what you can't do and what you don't know how to do until you kind of figure out, you know, where you want to land and what you're comfortable doing also. And then as you're doing things, uh, products and services for other people, of course, over time, you start like with me now, uh, Reese and I were talking about this, where we're kind of the point where, all right, we're, we're ready to stop doing other people's to-do lists and other people's projects and start working on our own. Did you have the same experience? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think it also, there's a lot of value in leaning into what works, but also what comes easy, you know, like all these things that I was doing that I just hated and procrastinated on that was just a really clear sign to me like okay this is not it I definitely don't want to do more of this so your point like finding out what you're good at and what you can do I also think it never really stops um, at least for me I'm you know I'm still figuring out I have a way better idea of what I can do and what I'm good at and what works for me but it also changes 
Um, so to answer your question, yes, I 100% had that. And I was at one point a little bit done with working on other people's podcasts and just wanted more of my own thing. And that's also where the Podcast Babes as an agency came in, um, where I could really, I don't know, it felt like I could combine all my all my experience also from going to business school and just my interest in business, um, working with the team and also podcasting, you know, it all kind of came together there. And um, it was my own, my own project. Um, and that's what I do now at the Podcast Babes. It's mostly just working on the business and not so much in the business anymore. And I definitely, definitely like that. And it was time after a while to do that. What when you talk about um, there's a continuous journey, you're always finding out um, new areas that you can learn more um, and develop. What is do you have a particular skill that you're focused on, like right now or across the next sort of couple of years that you're trying to improve? Yes, I actually do have um, in like area or skill set that I want to work on and that I am actively working on, and that is um, operations. And especially agency operations. So um, I have my own agency, as you know, the podcast phase, but I actually also work as a contractor for another podcast agency. And I started working there as a podcast coach. So I was coaching their clients and strategizing with them on growing and monetizing their podcasts. And after a while, I kind of rolled into their marketing team and then um, became marketing director and um, now the next step within that agency is uh, COO so it's a small agency but um, I will be the COO uh, just transitioning into that role now and um, I really see that this as my career so that's also why I wanted to work for another agency that was a very conscious decision because in my own agency you know I make all the decisions, which is great, but that also means that I need to make the decisions on what to learn, what to focus on next. And there is never anyone who says, hey, Anna, I think you should work on this or, you know, you could be better at it. Like my team is not going to tell me, hey, you're not doing this right. I mean, sometimes they do, but, you know, it's I'm the boss, you know. <laughs> so um, I really wanted to work with other people who I was not the boss for and who could just tell me like, hey, I think you could improve here and just learn how other people run their agencies, which has been just super interesting. So yeah, I definitely want to learn more about operations. And um, I've also been taking some courses and stuff like that in operations. And um, yeah, it's still super interesting to me. So I, I really do see that as my, as my career and uh, like next steps will be in in operations it is amazing isn't it i think for people like us that want to go out there on our own and, and build something a lot of the time the reason is because we want the autonomy to make decisions ourselves etc but after a while it's so nice being told what to do isn't it <laughs> it is it is so nice yeah it's it's funny because it felt a little bit like a step back when i after being full-time a full-time entrepreneur for three years um, and being my own boss, right? Uh, to then work for someone else again. Like a lot of people were like, are you insane? 
you are, you know, you're like basically like living the dream. Why would you want to work for someone else? But I really, I think I also needed that just for my own like experience and learning and career development because I never really had a career before starting my business. You know, like many people, they work in corporate and then they quit their jobs and then start their own business. But I kind of skipped that part. Um, so, yeah, I'm. I definitely don't see it as a step back. I think it's for me just um, I'm just not really following the like, quote unquote, common normal trajectory. But this is my trajectory into, you know, entrepreneurship and career and everything that comes with that. You probably found, too, like with the agency you're working for now and you're kind of moving up through different positions. You're actually, I, in my opinion, somebody that goes that route that has to do things on your own where the client calls on the weekends, it's on you. You can't just shut your computer at five o'clock and it's over with. You kind of develop a little bit more curiosity, the ability to learn it and, and teach yourself things and and kind of cover every aspect of the business, even if it's something you're not great at. Like I'm terrible at accounting, but I know enough to run my own business. And just like you, I recently went back to work full time for an agency and I've been able to kind of work my way up kind of like yourself, like to a higher position or kind of just become more involved in the company because I'm like, well, you know, I've either done this for myself before or I'm willing to learn something new. And I think that's, it's kind of a huge advantage because you're right. Most people start, go right up through the corporate life and then they kind of get out and have to learn everything. But I, I, I'm starting to see now, uh, that it's, it's actually kind of a big advantage to go out on your own for a little bit and then come back inside. Because if they ask me to do something, I'm like, yeah, I'll figure it out if I don't know how to do it. And I think that that's, that's really been a big help, at least in my case. Absolutely. And I think there's also a way to be entrepreneurial within someone else's company. I think that's exactly what you're saying, that just figuring stuff out. And um, I also like within the agency that I work for, that's not my own agency, like if like I came I came in and like a few weeks later, um, the founder and CEO, he was like, okay, um, I think we want to change the our core offer. And I was like, oh, cool. Um, and he was like, do you want to, you know, do a brainstorm session together? And I was like, yes, I would love to do that. This was not within my role at all, you know, but I was, I just love doing that. And he saw that I was excited about that. And um, apparently I also did a good job because after that, he asked me again for that. And, you know, we really created this new offer for the agency together. So I just did that because I love doing that stuff, you know, but now he's he also knows my value and he knows what I'm good at and what I like doing. So it was kind of a very organic way to move within the company. And I think that is also entrepreneurship. Even like So if you are working in a company now and you, you're thinking about wanting to become an entrepreneur and starting your own company, I think this is actually a great first step. You don't have to just you know, quit your job, sell everything, move across the world and start your company. That's one way to do it. But I think there's also more like step-by-step way to get there. And we talked about this a little bit uh, when we were on your show about how we, you know, we tell people that obviously the online space, depending upon how you look at it, can can feel saturated. Like a lot of people want to go out and they want to be copywriters or, or something else. Uh, and they're like, they're a little concerned that there's just not enough work out there. And it is true that there are a lot of people trying to do what we do, but it's not that hard to set yourself apart. Like everything you just described about just being curious, 
Uh, if somebody comes to you with a problem, say, yeah, let's figure it out. On the one hand, I, you know, I, I see a lot of like complacency and laziness out there, but on the other hand, I'm like, Hey, that's good for me. You know, uh, I'm willing to learn new things and be curious and, and everything else. So yeah, what you're saying is very, very important for people to understand that there's, there are a lot of people out here trying to do what we're doing. There is a lot of competition, but it's also very, very easy to stand out if you just put a little bit of extra effort in and you learn what you can where you're at. Even if you're at a job or working for an agency that you, you don't really care for now and you need it for the money, there's still a lot to be learned in that position. Yeah, absolutely. I think major career hack, especially working online, just be a pleasure to work with. You know, you don't have to know everything. You can make as many mistakes as you have to make. But as long as you're a pleasure to work with, I see that in my own team, like the people that I work with now, they're just great to work with. Not because they do everything perfect, but, you know, they communicate. They let me know when they made a mistake. They um, solve solve the issues that, you know, that they might cause accidentally. And um that's so important. And they're also just really kind and good people. Um, so I think that's just probably the easiest way to stand out, but also the most overlooked way to stand out. It's funny you say that because I was just having this internal thing with uh, with some clients that I have. And we also, because everything is online and most communications either done like we're talking now over video or by Slack or you name the platform, you know, um, you have a minute to think about what you're going to say and what you're going to respond and how you're going to handle certain situations. So I remember back when I, in my cubicle days, when I was in an office and I was a lot younger and even more immature than I am now, like somebody could come to me with a problem and my, they get my initial reaction. Even if I don't say it out loud, they can see it on my face that I'm angry or whatever. And so to your point about being a pleasure to work with, like even now, if, if somebody gives me a project or asks me something that I think is unreasonable or you name it, like something that's makes me uncomfortable, I can take a minute and I can think about my response uh, so that we do have that advantage as well. Just everything being electronic you know, and having, whether it's a video or just, uh, you know, Slack communication uh, that we, we can take a second, take a breath. Uh, so when you get in those situations where you're frustrated, you don't, they don't just see that anger on my face and I'm like, no, oh, I'm done today. I'm not doing that project. So we, we kind of have that barrier also. Yeah. Oh, I a hundred percent agree. I also have that. Um, like I cannot really manage my facial expressions very well uh, it just always shows exactly what I think so I don't think I can ever work in an office again um, and because like like you said I do that all the time like every day that there is an email coming in and then my face does something but I mean no one sees it so it's fine going back to the team so talking about being you know being a delight to work with how have you chosen the people you work with whether that's people you're hiring podcast babes or even if you've worked with contractors freelancers um etc yeah what are your do you have a criteria you use to pick because i think some of the people listening um for sure they're already on a roll with their kind of solo businesses um they may even start to be you know they're keeping the business one person perhaps but they might be leveraging freelancers in the future and they're kind of thinking like cool how do i how do i vet these people uh, because sure, you know, being a delightful person is amazing. Um, but how do you how do you find that out? Like, what are your kind of um, your methods? It's a good question. I don't know if I have a good answer though. I'm still trying to figure this out. I would say I find hiring really difficult. I now found people that I really enjoy working with, and I'm just never gonna let them go. That is my strategy. 
Um, but it took me a while to find these people. And I've also hired in the past some people that were just not a great match. Like we just didn't work well together. Um, I do think that when you hire someone and things don't work out the way you thought they would, I think first thing you should do is ask yourself, am I the problem? And often the answer is yes, actually, you are the problem. Um, because it's very difficult. It's actually really difficult to delegate and outsource. You have to be extremely clear and over-communicate what you're looking for exactly and what your expectations are. And I really had to learn that, even though, you know, like in theory it makes sense, but how that actually works to communicate really well what you expect and not just what you expect in terms of outcome, but also communication what do you expect when you send someone an email do they have to reply in 24 hours or is next week fine uh, do you want people to be on slack 24 7 or between nine and five or weekdays weekends you know you have to ask yourself like what's important and then what are realistic expectations yeah so i think you're usually the problem <laughs> like you're usually <laughs> the bottleneck in that hiring process and I think it's also fine you know it's uh you have to learn and go through that to then eventually get better at it um, at least that was my experience so yeah I don't really think I have the answer for you on how to find good people yeah no that's interesting and we've, we've had the same experience and you're right it's like what what I think and do in my mind like my expectations for the time it takes me to do things um how much I need to look up. Uh, I have to remember that uh, I, I'm not all these other people. And it, it's, it really wears on your patience if you don't take a second and think about it. It's like when you're, when you're driving down the road and somebody flies by you really fast and you're like, oh, that idiot is driving really fast. Or somebody goes really slow in front of you and like, what's wrong with this guy? He's driving really slow. And that, that's their speed. You know, so you have to kind of learn to meet people where they are on that. And I'm guilty of this all the time. Like I lose my patience with somebody and I'm thinking that I have to think, like, wait a second, I've been doing this for a long time. I'm fast at this particular thing. Maybe they just need me to show them. And and you're right about the hiring thing with the interviews. Some people interview great and then they end up not being the, a good fit. And some people don't have any experience at all and they just kind of show up and then they end up being your best employee ever. Yep. Amazing. Absolutely. Yeah. I've, I heard this. Uh, I, I have no idea who said this, but... Um, hire slow, fire fast. And um, when I first heard that, I was like, that's ridiculous. But actually, it does make sense. <laughs> that's that's a good that's a good line. Plus, the, uh, the to be honest, that car speed analogy is incredible. That's really, and I think, I don't know, I, I feel like we're all, you know, we're all fairly um, experienced now in our careers um, in terms of everything we've been doing. Not necessarily just the digital nomadism and stuff, but um, it resonates massively. That feeling of like you kind of have really terrible. I've had terrible expectations of people, as in I thought like, "Come on, like that's it, that's the level," and it and it's nowhere near. But then it's it was all down to how I delivered it, my expectation based on how long it takes me to do it, and obviously it takes no time at all because I've been doing it for ten years. It takes a lot of um, I th yeah, looking in the mirror and being like, no, it's not their fault. Yeah, if you don't know what you what you want or need, then how can they know? And even if you know it, then you also have to communicate that. So it's 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 difficult. And I think what I've what I'm learning now, 
which has worked really well with the great people that I that I found eventually, um, is also giving people freedom to do things their own way and really focusing on the outcome um, and also being open to conversations like um, my editor recently expressed like in Slack, just in our kind of like social Slack, Slack channel, she said, yeah, um, in the next six months, I want to learn more about marketing. And I was like, great, you are now officially on our marketing team, you know, if you want it. Um, so now we're working together on some marketing projects for the business. And she just said that, you know, just in like a social setting. But I was like, oh, cool. Like she wants to grow in that in that area and we could use someone. So I think it's also important to remember that these people are also actually people, you know, they're humans and they also have their dreams and and goals and wishes. So like those conversations, I think, are also very valuable uh, so that people stay motivated, stay in the company once you have hired them and once they are onboarded and they do their work really well. You also want to make sure that you don't lose them. This is going to be so many shorts. You have no idea. <laughs> yeah, we were at, yeah. Have you? How many hours do you have? Uh, yeah, I would, it's oh, Friday. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it is Friday. Oh, yeah. Oh, I. Oh, got it. I got. I got a bar in my future. I could feel it. But yeah, no. It, it's funny how we. I don't go to bars, so I have all day. Yeah, I know. We talked about that a little last time too, because you and I had kind of the same experience. Where, uh, uh, or at least for me anyway, I was I was drinking almost daily. Um, you know, and it could have just been a glass of wine or something, but it was almost every day. And then, uh, as soon as I stopped and re- like really got into the work I'm doing now, I was like, I can't believe how many more hours in the day are, uh, there are. And, uh, like, wow, I can actually, I can get something done after 7 PM and I don't wake up feeling like garbage anymore. So uh, do you, do you remember like at what point in your like traveling or your progression, did you actually kind of recognize that in yourself or like, if you don't mind not to get too personal but with the drinking stuff like where did that kind of reach uh arc with you yeah i remember that i was in vietnam and um i was putting a lot of hours and effort and energy into building my business and getting it off the ground and it did not go well initially as in it took me it was it was really tough especially emotionally i would say um I, I struggled a lot in that first, I would say, like year of business. So I would work really hard during the week on my business. And then in on the weekend, I would just get hammered, you know, and um, that was my weekend. And after a, after a while, and also, I mean, this was not only in Vietnam, that was just life at that point. Um, and then there were also like some things, some events during the week where I would go to and, you know, so networking and social events. And traveling, it was very easy. Like all, basically all events that I w- would go to were at bars or there was some kind of drinking or let's grab a beer together or there was just always alcohol. Um, but especially on weekends, like we would go pretty crazy. And um, my hangovers also got really bad as in like I I was only like mid-20s and my hangovers were at least two days, sometimes like three days. So on Monday morning, I was I still had my hangover from Friday evening and I was like, what is happening? And my mom actually asked me at one point, why do you still drink? <laughs> like, you feel so bad all the time. Why do you actually still do this to yourself? And that was a really good question. Um, so that really got me thinking and um 
one of these hangovers, I was like, you know what, I'm done. This is it. I've I've had my fun <laughs> with this. And I am just really curious how things would go if I if I just stop going out every weekend, you know, and I can or I can still go out, but at least not have those hangovers. So it's kind of started as an experiment, like, okay, what about two weeks with no alcohol? And after two weeks, I was like, I feel amazing. Why do I drink? And then it was like, okay, let's just not do this anymore. And then looking back, this is now like, I think I'm now three and a half years, three and a half years over. Looking back, it also got to a point where it was pretty problematic now I'm so glad that I stopped at that point. Did you have in that kind of two-week period, and how did it go down with the people you were spending a lot of time with? Were you there with like long-term people or was it all quite short-term? What was the kind of experience with the people you were with? Yeah, I was in Vietnam with uh, kind of like a group of people. And um, what really helped me is exactly around that time I left. Um, for Thailand so I just physically moved locations and I didn't know anyone in a new location and that made it so easy because all the new people that you meet they ask hey do you want to go for a beer and you can just say oh I don't drink and they're like okay cool because they don't know you they don't know that last weekend I was dancing on a bar somewhere in Vietnam so you know for them it was like okay cool legit answer so yeah um, that was very like in that regard was very easy. It was actually very easy to just stop drinking that way. So as a digital nomad, I do think you can kind of use the freedom that you have to your advantage if you have certain habits that you want to break or habits that you want to add to your routine or something like that. I think you can just be a little bit strategic with the locations and where to go when. That's such a good point. I remember I'd, I'd sit like at my spot in Florida. I was there for 15 years. And if I didn't go to the bar, people would actually text me and wonder, like, you know, <laughs> what's going on? Where are you? Why aren't you here? And and I and there were times, I, I I don't recall any specifics, but I promise there were times where I did, maybe didn't want to drink that day. And I'm like, oh, I got I got to get there. They're all waiting for me. Like all that that pressure. You know, it was it's really yeah. it's a stupid human. It's a really dumb human thing to do to feel like I'm letting people down if I'm not chugging a whole bunch of beer at a bar somewhere. But I. I uh, no, definitely being able to move locations is kind of like a little reset, you know, where, where nobody knows you at the mm-hmm. next spot. And uh, I spent most of my uh, life, my adult life, when I was drinking heavily, thinking that, oh, I'm an extrovert. I need to be out. Um, it, it won't be the same if I'm not out seeing a lot of people every day, especially if I'm working uh, by myself. And, and then I realized that when I stopped drinking for a while, I'm like, well, I'm not an extrovert. I'm actually an introvert. But when I would get to the bar, or usually sometimes I would even drink on the way to the bar, um, I would have that little bit of, you know, liquid courage, they call it. I'd be warmed up a little bit. So I was just, you know, just confusing myself and lying to myself that whole time. But I had the same experience. I, I was like, I stopped drinking and I, you start feeling like a million bucks every day. And then, um, things start clicking with work. And then like, you know, I don't, I don't like to schedule my weekends for work, but if I do have to work now, I I'm, feel good doing it. Like it just changes everything. Yeah, absolutely. And even if you don't have to work, you know, just not laying in bed with a headache is great. 100%, especially if it's like two days in a row, um, as in the hangover, two or three days, um, it really sucks. Um, do you, did you also find, because I found this as well, when I when I suddenly, we, I think we've all been in similar boats um, in terms of pretty hard partying um, when we were younger. 
Um, and I personally found that my long-term outlook suddenly like opened up massively because every weekend wasn't, you know, as we've been saying, um, did you find that as well? You were kind of like, Ooh, you're looking at like a five year, 10 year, 15 year horizon of, of the things you want to do and experience. Oh, that's a good question. Um, I'm not, I'm not so sure that that was really what happened for me, but it was more, um, I do relate very much with what Lee just said, that it was, I felt like I got to know myself better because like you said, Lee, like I wasn't really myself when I was, you know, drunk. <laughs> um, it was kind of a different person. Like my friend group would joke about that, that there is Anne and there is drunk Anne. Um, so yeah, that was super funny at the time but looking back I'm like yeah that actually is pretty sad <laughs> um I always yeah. really had like ideas of where I wanted to go in life you know so like that five and ten year plan I had the plan but it was pretty cool to then also see myself making the making progress if that makes sense towards that that goal that I have set for myself so in in that sense I would say yes I definitely had that I did that for a long time where it's just like wait for Friday, wait for Friday, or in my case, Monday, you know, like there was always like, a, like Sunday brunch, bottomless brunch. You know, there was always uh, like, and that was my little week. That was my world was at seven days. And then, uh, and then you're right. When, uh, when I started thinking big picture, I'm like, I'm going to be around for a long time. Like I got like 40 years left. Hopefully uh, I need to like get my shit together and start working towards something and not just collecting the paycheck to go straight to the bar, you know? Yeah. The savings are ridiculous. You look back and you're like, that's true, yeah. I didn't spend any of that. Oh, oh, I'd have been to so many places. <laughs> Instead of the yeah. same place every weekend. It's crazy. Well, so travel-wise now, so you spent some time in Australia. I know you've been to Bali, uh, Da Nang. We were both in, in Da Nang, not the same time you were there much earlier than I have, was. Um, and then you were kind of in that whole COVID zone too. Like you were traveling over a lot, a lot of uncertainty in the world. Um, and then when was the last time, so you're in Europe now, when was the last time that you were on like a longer trip like that? Have you been stationary for a while now? Um, yeah. So when COVID hit, I was in Southeast Asia. I was actually traveling with my best friend from the Netherlands. She, um, came to Thailand to travel with me there. And she actually decided to cut her trip short to go back home because all the borders were closing. It was around that time. And I met my current partner just before that, like two weeks before she arrived in Thailand. Um, and he went to Bali. So I actually had a flight home to the Netherlands after two years, almost two years not being home. And I decided to change that flight. Uh, so instead of the Netherlands, I went to Bali to see this guy I just met a few weeks ago. Um, which turned out to be a great decision, by the way. It was a, a little bit risky, maybe if you hear it now, but um, turned out well. Um, so yeah, I went to Bali. I was there for the first five months of the pandemic. And then, yeah, like you said, I came back to Europe eventually when things got also really complicated with visas. And um, it was strange to all of a sudden be kind of back where it all started. And I was, I felt like a completely different person person. So I definitely had a reverse culture shock that was real. Um eventually decided to rent an apartment in Germany, which is where I am now when we're recording this episode. 
And after a while, let's see, I would say about a year ago, um, we I started taking some like shorter trips, like a few weeks here and there. Went for a month, um, and then last winter we actually skipped winter. Um, so yeah, the end of or like mid twenty twenty two was when the real travel life kind of started again. So um, we spent things on Madeira, a short trip to Spain. And most of the time in Colombia. And then we came back again to Germany for a little bit for summer. And then now soon when summer ends, I'm going to be traveling again. So the the idea now or like the new way of digital nomading for, for me is um, summer in Europe and close closer to family. So seeing family, seeing friends and then winter somewhere sunny and kind of exploring new places. It does feel like that's the way a lot of people are going, having a base near family or not, and then traveling from there to different destinations. Why Why do you think there's been that move? And do you think that's the kind of, I hate to say a, a COVID term, but like new normal? Yeah. Why is this a new normal? Um, I felt like we kind of had to get an apartment during COVID because it was it was not impossible. But it was difficult and so uncertain. And um, I wanted to travel, but also didn't really want to get stuck somewhere. Um, it was just all in all so uncertain. So I was like, okay, well, let's just get an apartment then if we have to. Like, we have to live somewhere. And Airbnb here in Germany is just not really an option because it's just expensive. Um, so yeah, we got this apartment and... It, it just worked well. <laughs> like I just really feel at home here. And I didn't really expect that. I expected um, this apartment to feel more of something that would keep me here and kind of feel as a little bit of a prison um, and that it has just not been the case. Like I love living here in an apartment and having my stuff. And I didn't really realize that that is something that I missed. Um, so now I feel like it's actually great to also come home again. I just, you know, I, I do think that home is a feeling and I think that this apartment could be somewhere else. It doesn't necessarily have to be Germany or the Netherlands or, you know, it could be wherever. But having some kind of home base, I think, just feels really good. Um, and what I also like about it is that it saves me a lot of mental energy that I can now spend on other things like, for example, work. There are also some things that I do here when I'm in Germany that I that it are difficult when I'm somewhere for a shorter time. So um, I really love dogs. And I don't have my own dog, but um, I started dog sitting uh, a year and a half ago. So I also now, like when we're recording this, I have a dog running around here in, in the apartment, and I just watch her for six days, and then um, she gets picked up. Are they there now? Yeah. Yeah, the dog is just running around here somewhere. Um, yeah, so it's really fun to do that kind of stuff. And when you're somewhere for a few weeks, it's very difficult to, you know, find people who need a dog sitter and, you know, build those relationships. And uh, so, yeah, I'm, I feel like now how I structured this lifestyle for myself, I feel like it's kind of the best of both worlds, you know? Like, I get to travel, I get to skip winter, but I also 
have some things going on here. Uh, I have my gym, you know, where I can just go several times a week and I don't have to think about, oh, where are we going to go now? Uh, but I just know, okay, well, you know, I have my bicycle. I know where to go, which is also really nice. Yeah, I, I really like what you just said about the the home-based kind of taking some stress to give you a little bit of peace of mind because we thought that too. We're in Michigan now where our family is over here in the States. And I was thinking, oh, I don't want to have somewhere that we have to be where we keep our things because that was kind of like, we got to be nomads no matter what. But it is nice because we have, like, we have doctors here. We have dentists here. We have our mail comes here. I can keep extra clothes here. You know, like all those little things that uh, like don't work on the road. Um, so now I know, just like yourself, we'll we'll leave for when it gets cold. Uh, but I know we're, we're coming back to like familiar things. You know, gyms down the street. If I need to go get a, a medical checkup, that's close by. And those are things like if you're in another place, you have to research those things. You have to figure out who does and doesn't take your insurance. Like all the little um, gymnastics you have to do mentally when you're when you're moving around so much. So it is really nice and comforting to have that one spot where you come back to, you know where everything is, you know where all your services are. And that that really takes, I think, that gives you some peace at, at the end of the year. So if you're out traveling like crazy, you know you're coming back to something comfortable. Yeah, exactly. And um, I've been thinking about this a lot lately also. Um, and for me, this is also part of, the free of freedom because it is the freedom to come home and go to a familiar place which is apparently something that I really like. Um, so I have the freedom to be home, but I also have the freedom to leave and go somewhere else. Um, and my like new nomad strategy is to keep this place and um, have kind of like low monthly expenses here so that I can also leave, that I don't feel tied down by having an apartment or a house or whatever it is. Um, but because it is, a tiny apartment. I don't pay a ton of rent. You know, it's fine if I leave. I don't. I don't have to worry about that. Um, and that, like I said, I think that's actually like next level freedom for me. Yeah, I'm looking forward to the day that it's a villa somewhere, can travel six <laughs> months a year, come back, all all that stuff. Well, honestly, I totally would see myself. I would love to, to just have a few different places around the world. Like mm. I could totally see myself like having three or four apartments, different locations, and then just travel between them. So you don't have to go to an Airbnb again. You can just go to your own apartment in a different country. I think that's just wow, that would be that would be like version three point of this digital nomad lifestyle. Hundred percent. I'm writing that down. <laughs> um, I did have a question that um I wanted to ask because Lee and I do not have any experience with this um, directly, at least. Lee, you may have actually with your partner. Um, I'm not sure, um, but have you faced like I? We we don't know what it like, is like to be a woman and a digital nomad. Like, has there been any like specific challenges or even um, the opposite? That like great things about um, being a woman and a digital nomad. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a difficult question because I've never been a man and a digital nomad, but um, in my experience, it has not really been, been an issue in the country that I've been to, at least. Like many places, like many hostels have um, female-only dorms. Um, I've never, I mean, I would say that I, I pick countries also based on how safe they are for solo female travelers if i if i do 
travel solo. And now that I travel with a partner, I feel a little bit uh, safer going to certain other countries that I wouldn't really necessarily go alone. Um, I don't really feel like like being a woman has ever held me back traveling within the countries that I have traveled to. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't know. That's awesome. <laughs> I think you always have to have some things in place to you know to be safe. You know, you you want to be alert and know your surroundings and have someone to check in with when you're on the road. I think that, but I think that's regardless of whether you're a, a woman or a man. It's a, it's an interesting dynamic, you know, traveling with somebody um, because I, I really enjoy it. You know, I'm in my forties now. And so she, so like we have like a built-in teammate, like, uh, Hey, do you want to do this? I'm like, yeah, let's go do that. You know, or uh, obviously we both speak the language. So if we're in a place that we don't, um, you know, we communicate with each other easily. Um, but it also, you know, a lot of places we get are, are small because we're trying to be budget conscious. So we're like in the hotel room sometimes together. We've made it work. So like there's a there's a huge amount of advantages to it. And then there's some things you have to get used to a little bit, too. So uh, so you guys have been so you've been traveling together for quite a while, like because you met, you were in Bali. That's where you kind of like like committed full time. So you've been together for, yeah. for a few years now, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, almost three and a half years. And it's been it it kind of feels longer because we went from meeting to living together within a few weeks. Um, so yeah, that it's been kind of like a an interesting story, of course, because it's not the usual way how you start dating someone. Um, yeah, so it feels like it kind of escalated quickly. You know, you meet someone, and then before you know it, you're like living together. <laughs> That's a really interesting point, and. In in the world of like, if you are living in one place, like you're either super super romantic and you're gonna go walk up to that person at the bar and speak to them, or you are on a dating app, um, or it's through friends of friends, etc. Um, so, do you think that? How do you think your situation, each of your situation, lent itself to that escalating so quickly? Yeah. So. I was traveling solo at the time. Like I was in Vietnam with my group of friends. I um, hopped on a flight to Thailand to meet my friend uh, from Netherlands there. But I had like two and a half weeks in between. And actually when um, my plane landed, I went to my hostel, checked in, um, put my bag down. And this guy came up to me and just said, hey, welcome. Like, did you just arrive? And I was like, yes, I'm going to get dinner. You want to you want to come? You know, you want to join me? And he was like, Sure. And that that was it, you know, that that's the guy, that's Finn. And <laughs> um I think traveling solo definitely made it easier to I think in general makes it easier to meet people, but then also to say, Okay, cool, let's meet again tomorrow. And then after a few days, yeah, he told me, Well, I'm going to a different island to Kolanta. Do you do you wanna come with me? And I was like, I've just met this guy like is he a serial killer? Can I go to a different island with him? Um, so I kind of took a risk, you know. I I was like, well, gut feeling is that he's okay. So let's, you know, let's let's see. Um, so that was kind of the first next step. And then after being on Kolanta together for I think like a week and a half or two weeks or something like that, um, then the next big step was, am I gonna go to Bali for this guy that I just Matt or not and I just took a chance I was I just 
told myself you have nothing to lose like if it doesn't work out okay fine you know I've been traveling solo for well years at that point so I was like if I have to travel solo again you know I can I can leave I can just do my own thing again so yeah why not give it a shot so I think what made it escalate and you know why it eventually worked was because I was just open to the experience and just was like okay I'll just take a chance on him and we'll see what happens. No, I think because we all have the similar mindset too, you know, like we're all, we're all so similar with our, with our goals and the way we live. Like, like hearing your story sounds perfectly normal to us because like, yeah, that's something I would yeah. do in traveling because <laughs> yeah. it's just, you know, what, what people do when they're moving around. Have you found, um, like in social settings too, because I, I struggle with this sometimes we'll get to a new place together and we're not as, because, because you know, we have each other to talk to all day. Um, have you found that, um, since you started traveling together, like let's say when you go to a coworker or something else, has that changed the dynamic any? Or are you still able to meet people? Because I have a hard time. Like I don't put myself out there enough now because I just I just talk to her and then we go get dinner and everything like that. So what's your experience been there? I have the same experience where it's definitely difficult to meet new people when you travel together. I think it also really depends on where you're staying. And some people are probably better at this than I am, but I'm also very comfortable just do everything with my partner you know like going out to dinner with my partner like if we would go to any events or day trips or whatever we're, we usually do that together we also really like hanging out together so um i don't really have that need to meet new people and yeah to be honest i do get lazy and just be like whatever i won't meet new people then um so i'm i'm actually really excited because my next trip is a solo trip um to valencia and one of the things that I'm most excited about is that it is actually a solo trip and that I expect to meet some new people there. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm just going to see if, if that works for me and for us, you know, me going off solo for a whole month. We'll see. It's inspiring, honestly, because I think there is, there can be, not everyone, of course, not everyone's the same, but there can be an expectation that, like oh why would you go off on your own like even if you're in a in a relationship like that and so it's really nice to see that you can have that balance of trust and um comfort knowing like yeah you're gonna do your own thing for a little bit um yeah I mean I I kind of made that clear from the start you know when we met I was traveling solo I was building a business on the road as a digital nomad so it was quite um not very traditional lifestyle that I was building for myself. So it was very clear what my goals were and what my values were and what is important to me and that freedom. So I, I always, you know, I always think, well, at least he knew what he signed up for. <laughs> and it helps not having the uh, the bar habits anymore either, because now it's mm. like, if you, like, I'm going somewhere on my own. Like, what's all that background noise? Is that live? Is that a live band? Like, no, no, you know, I'm not, I'm not. I'm not spending $300 at the bar tonight. So yeah, we, we haven't spent any time like traveling apart, but it is, it is good to hear that, that, uh, you know, other people are doing it and that, you know, why not? You know, it's, it's not, nothing's going to change. So I love that. Well, I'll, I'll let you know how it goes though, because, um, I don't know, this is, this is the first time that I'm, <laughs> that I'm off for a month by myself. So <laughs> back to dancing on bars within a week. No, no, it's fun. No, I don't think so, but. Valencia is awesome. Um, you'll have a great time, I'm sure. And it's good to see you again. We'll have to we'll have to plan to get an update from you at some point. Maybe when you're doing your your solo travel stuff, maybe we'll 
we'll just do like a quick catch up and we, we won't keep you for so long, but we'd love to hear how everything's going. Yeah, sounds great. I would love that. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. This was this was amazing. And uh, you, you guys are doing such a great job with the podcast. So yeah, thank you so much for making me a small part of it. Thank you so much. Um, for people listening, um, I know they will want to find you. So is there social websites? We'll link stuff if you want to just give people a, um, an idea. That'd be amazing. Yeah, I think the best way to go is um, to our website, digitalnomadstories.co. So that is without the M, .co. Um, you can find all our episodes there, but also social media links and everything. Yeah, so you can find me there.